Uh, it is morning. Yes, it is. Sometimes morning does have a U. We don't like that kind. I'll, I'll, I'm good with the old kind, not the old U kind. Just very much. I was at the shop this morning early, and then uh, as the sun came up, you could hear the birds, you could hear the cats, you could hear the world waking up, even though I was in a building and I couldn't see it, you could hear it waking up. Their cardinals are noisy. They, uh, they sound like a video arcade or something. Yep, they do. They know. Good morning. Welcome to Sunday morning Bible class. Uh, we're continuing our series on kingdom and exile, the kingdom of Christ. We started out in Daniel with the Babylonian captivity. We saw we established Babylon, Babylonian Empire, the prophecies that would lead them out of that. Um, from there, Cyrus sent them home. <laughs> Cyrus gave them the option of going home. So we jumped to Ezra. We've been following that. We're jumping to Haggai, and then we're going to go to Zechariah, it's not really a jump, but it fits into the time frame. Then back to Ezra and uh, Nehemiah probably from there. Who knows? We might even hit Malachi just for spite, just to con continue that transition there. So today we're going to start on Haggai chapter 1, the temple, the accusation and the response. As always, I forgot to get chocolate, so I stole something from the food pantry. I can throw out granola bites if anybody's interested. <laughs> granola bites. <laughs> no? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I tried. You, you'll run us off. <laughs> <laughs> or welts. <laughs> it's the Nature Valley. They're, the, they're those hard, bricky ones. There. <laughs> <laughs> it may have expired 10 years ago. Yeah, Dennis loves the thing. All right. Anybody ever study Haggai? Yeah, we have not here. Chuck and I have covered the entire Bible uh, over the last eight, eight, ten years, somewhere in there. We've covered just about any. Yeah, it takes a long time, but we've covered yeah, not every word, but we've covered basically the whole thing. So where do you find Haggai in the Bible? Old Testament. Old Testament. Three back from the end. <laughs> Three back from the end. Chuck got it right. There you go. Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi. Then there's a big gap, the intertestamental gap. Was it three, four hundred years, something like that? We look at it as one page usually, then the gospel. So there's, that's where to find it. That's how I work with the kids. How do you find these books? This is how you find Haggai. Find that break in the Old Testament, New Testament, back up three books. That's Haggai. It's only two chapters long. You might flip past it. But there it is. Um, like I said, our, this is our timeline we've kind of done. Daniel 5, the Medes and Persians conquer Babylon. Ezra 1 and 2, we saw that Cyrus sent God's people home. He says, go home. What did he tell them to do when he went home? Rebuild. Rebuild. Rebuild what? His temple. His temple. Yeah, the temple and the walls. That's God's, your God sent you home to where your God is, is basically the message. So that was, that's Ezra 1 and 2. At the end of Ezra 2, uh, there's offerings for a new temple. We looked at how these guys, the, the, the Judah people, God's people, they reached in their pocket and they pulled out, you know, millions of dollars basically, probably 400 bucks per, per, per head or so um, 
$20 million or so, and they chipped in their part for the new temple. Ezra 3, they started re they rebuilt the altar, they offered sacrifices, they kept the feasts. They started rebuilding the temple, and then Chuck covered last week. The neighbors come in and they stop. No, this just isn't going to happen. And they go back to Cyrus, and Cyrus says, yeah, just... Adaraxes, you're right, it's a guy that changes. It's just changed over time. It's Adaraxes, and he says, they stop work. It's like every other government project, you know. Somebody fusses loud enough, it's... So they stop, and that's where we're at. Here, we're going to jump to Haggai. So. They didn't just frustrate him. They went in with the military. And military, and they shut just down. shut him down. It just, you're done for now. And that's where they're at. Haggai, um, on your own time, check out, uh, on, you can find on YouTube, you can also find their website, it's something called The Bible Project. The Bible Project gives you a, an overview of a, a book of the Bible. It does it kind of cartoon style, but it's unique. Uh, I like it. I would show the video. Um, the streaming rights aren't really there, but it kind of talks of, and then shows kind of a cartoon strip that kind of grows there's an overall. Grant said one of his Bible teachers actually has these on the wall with the whole books. So they're really, I like them. They're impressive. It draws it stroke by stroke. So as the guy talks about it, um, they're just straight facts is all I can usually find in them. Uh, Haggai's got a good one. Zachariah's got a good one. Any of them I've ever watched are good, but I recommend them. Anyways, the Bible project you can find on YouTube. The, the four sections they break Haggai into uh, chapter 1, verses 1 through 15, accusation and response. Uh, chapter 2, verses 1 through 9, shattered expectations. Chapter 2, 10 through 19, call to covenant faithfulness. And Haggai 2, 20 through 23, future hope of God's kingdom. So I'm going to cover Haggai 1 this week. Chuck's going to do chapter 2 next week. All right, Haggai 1 through 11, the command to rebuild the temple. Haggai 1, 1. In the second year of Darius the king, in the sixth month, on the first day of the month, the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai, the prophet of Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel, there we go, I got it. <laughs> Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and, the, and Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest. And I put my pronunciation down on the bottom because I looked it up and listened. Is that right on every page? Probably not, but... I'll guarantee it's not. But anyway, Sheol TL is how, to, how they said it. Uh, English with Julian. Anybody want to try to say that? Well, at one time, nobody wants to try. Sheol TL. So who's the king? At this time? Darius the second. Darius the second. Chuck had a timeline. I should have stole his timeline. Um, Darius the Great of Persia. Darius the second. It's not the Darius we saw early on in Daniel. It's a different Darius. So, and I stole this from Wikipedia, the Fountain of All Knowledge, and uh, that's <laughs> under the Achaemenid Empire. Again, I put a pronunciation because Darius the second down there. I got the wrong one. Okay. Yep. Uh, okay, so I got the wrong one. I got Darius the second. All right. So it is confusing. And as a matter of fact, the commentaries I was looking at, I'm going to tell you. Well, actually, they hit here because they said it's 520 BC. So, anyways. No. 
would have to be the second. You're right. It would have to be the second. Huh. Okay. Look at multiple sources, you get multiple answers. That's, that's usually the key. So what's it make a difference? Well, like Chuck says, the letters have to come before the letters of Hooner 2. So that's where we're at. So I got this, I'll, I'm with Chuck. I probably got the wrong one circled. I didn't look deep enough into it. I just showing. So it's how it is. You don't look deep enough, you'll goof it up. You'll step in something. Um, but keeping a calendar, it's not what it says it is. <laughs> it's August to September because it talks about the month of the year. It's August, September. Uh, they say it's 520 BC. Like I said, what does that really matter? Probably not a whole lot unless you're really into the historian part of that. So that'll be the last time I look at it. Um, so who was Zerubbabel? It says, by the hand of Haggai, the prophet to Zerubbabel. Who was he? The governor of Judah. Um, he's, yeah, basically. He's a, um, he's a deputy to Darius the Great. I say he's the king's cousin. And what I saw was the king's cousin. He's maybe, maybe not. Uh, his name translates to the seed of Babylon. He was born in Babylon. Um, if you look at the non-canonical book, First Esdras, which don't think that's canon, don't think that's Bible, uh, it says he won the job by demonstrating that truth is stronger than wine, women, and kings. So anyways, my understanding is First Esdras is a Greek version similar to Ezra. So non-canonical, but that's where it's at. Um, just there for your own perusal. Zerubbabel is in the lineage of Mary, and you can see that in Matthew 1, 12 through 13, after the deportation of Babylon, Zechariah was the father of Shealtiel, and Shealtiel the father of Zerubbabel, and Zerubbabel the father of Abuyad, Abayad. So you can see it in the lineage of Mary. So he's also in the lineage of Jesus. So he's part of that bloodline. He's also in the lineage of Joseph, son of Joanon, the son of Risa, the son of Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, the son of Neri. So these guys, Zerubbabel is in both lineages. I know, what confuses me is I see Zerubbabel, I see Shealtiel, but it varies on both sides. You know, like this, because I think Luke is, yeah, Luke's backwards, so Zerubbabel, Shealtiel, Neri, and if you go back to Mary uh, line, it's Shealtiel, yeah, it would be uh, Jeconiah, Shealtiel, Zerubbabel. So you got Jeconiah being the same person as Neri. Are there two different names for the same person? Is one the mom and one the dad? I don't know. I didn't look any dip farther than that. But Zerubbabel is in Christ's lineage. Like I said, you can do a whole... If you ever think you've exhausted everything to research in the Bible, <laughs> you're better than me. Uh, there's, there's an endless supply of things you can look at. And the sources are not as endless as the questions out there. So who was Joshua? He was the high priest. I put the answer there. I don't know why, but I did. I put the answer. So Joshua was the high priest. Zerubbabel was the governor of Judah. Um... How did God choose to send his word to Zerubbabel and Joshua? I've got a multiple choice for those who need that. They send it by Facebook, Twitter, mass media, or by a prophet. Facebook. 
That's always the source of truth right there, isn't it? You, but there's a lesson. In it. I mean, it's a joke, but at the same time, God wanted his message. I know they didn't have Facebook or Twitter. But this is how his approved thing. He sent a prophet. He gave a message to uh, Haggai. Haggai takes up those guys. He didn't just drop a scroll out of the sky. He didn't, you know, there's just, it wasn't by popular opinion that this happened. God's word came down this way. It's not filtered. It's not, not to get the little black thing that says this may or may not be true. You know, I mean, we've seen that over the last year with social media that, you know, facts for COVID-19 don't necessarily back this up or these people have been banned. It's not that way. This is a message that God sent with his messenger to the guys who needed to hear it. Hmm? Did he find, wait, 85? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's polar contrast to what God wanted. It's what the world wanted, not what God did. Chuck says it took eight, about 85 years. That's a long time. God waits. It gave them plenty of chances to kickstart it, to ignore the, you know, the military. We'll just we'll work it around. It gave chances, but it just didn't. Like I say, it didn't happen. So this is God's word. Of, this is what I want to happen. Haggai 1, verse 2, thus says the Lord of hosts, these people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. So, do you think Haggai is the prophet of the obvious? The time has not come. We're not building the house of the Lord right now. Yeah, Captain Obvious, prophet of the obvious, he's got it going on. This is, this, this is what God said. Um, who are these people? It says, these people say. Who are these people? It's everybody around him telling him to stop. It's everybody around him saying to stop, but it's also it's God's people. It's really that it said we we've been told to stop. We need to stop. It, yeah, and as you look at the rest of the chapter, it's really it's God's people. They were kind of why did it take eighty five years to get that point? They weren't working too hard on it. You know, you you were part of building this thing. Did it take eighty five years? It's not the it's not the temple of God, but. It, didn't take 85 years. We'd still be building on this. If that was the case, they were just kind of dragged. Was it a national cathedral in D.C.? That thing took 150 years, 200 years to build. I know it's a government project. It just kind of, <laughs> it's just how things go. But it kind of dragged their feet. So these people, as it goes along with everything else, these people are God's people. Um, I, I, one of my things I say is, is they. You want to find the worst people in the church? You want to find the worst of God's people? It's they. If you listen real close, you'll hear everybody talking about they. Why don't they do this? Why did they do that? Why don't they? They must be the worst people, and this is kind of the same thing. They say. So they are who stopped it. So why do you think God doesn't just call Judah my people? Cross out these people and put my people. 
Why do you think he didn't do that? Kind of gives a little distance. If you're God's people, you follow God. We've seen that through through the judges, through the through the captivities. We've seen that. You you want to? I'm your God, and you're my people. We work together. And I'm God, and to do your own thing. You're still my people, but you know, we'll come back to that. We'll circle around and revisit that at a later time. I guess is the key words in today. You ever hear your spouse refer to the kids as your kids? Susan laughs. She's either done it or heard it. Or both. <laughs> right? Am I right? We're, it's not just our family that does that. Your son, you will not believe what your daughter did. I also hear it's my cats. So, so. And it used to be my dog, but anyways. It's her, her puppy. So it's problems, and your dog did this. But anyways. So, right? We understand this, right? They're both of our kids, but when there's problems, they're your kids, your son did this. This is the same way I, I relate to God doing the same thing. Uh, these people. <laughs> just, just these people. We'll see that these people didn't so much say the time has not yet come to rebuild the house, but rather, and they gave the impression if it's not convenient for us at this, it is not convenient for us at this time to rebuild it. And I got that. That's Kaufman's uh, quote out of Kaufman's commentaries. So they don't really say that the time's not right. Like Chuck says, the neighbors made sure that happened. But the people of Judah was really, it's, just, it's not convenient for us right now. It's not, not our priority. We've got other stuff going on. I put on there, your child says the, uh, the time has not yet come to mow the grass, mow the yard. How well does that go over? I'm not coming to give you your allowance. And that's it. That's the rest of the story. That's the, that's, the give, that's the rest of the story. You know, I can, I'm a son and a father. I, I can remember the day, you know. It's not a good day to mow the grass, Dad. It's 98 degrees and the Olympics are on TV and the grass is this tall. It's time to mow the grass. You don't have to mow the grass. I can mow the grass. We might not have time to feed you later, too. You know, we might not have time to take you where you need to go. And that's kind of where God gets to be. It's the same kind of, some kind of lesson. Um, it's there. Um, coaching soccer, I got 18 boys on my team. 18 teenage boys. It was a whole lot easier when they were little kids. Mamas picked them in the, put them in a minivan. They brought them to practice. At the end, they took them home. They get to the point where they're teenagers. Sometimes mama still drives them, but practice is a lot longer. Mama leaves. She may come back. She may not come back. But some of them, they make their own plans. They drive, and it's like, you know, you haven't seen you in practice for three weeks. Yeah, I have something going on. Not soccer, you know. So on game day, I say, hey, can I start? No. You had something else going on. It's, you know, that was what was more important. That will be if what's important to you on Saturday, too. We're going to start somebody else who put that effort into it. Um, it just doesn't go over in this world. Jobs that way, right? I... The, the labor shortage that we see right now, <laughs> I've, I've seen people too, and they got in their phones and they're watching those rather than doing their job. And they're not, you know, that's what's most important. It's just, it's not time to take your order right now. It's not time to do your thing. We've got other things going on. Verse 3 and 4. Then the word of the Lord came to the house of Haggai the prophet. 
It, is it a time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses while this house lies in ruins? So how does God respond to the time has not yet come? With sarcasm. That's exactly how God is. I, I, you don't think of God sometimes as being sarcastic or even funny, but some of his answers on stuff is it's just like, nah, there it is. You know, it, it's just there. He's, he's almost sarcastic in it. You don't have time for that? Is it a time for you to dwell in your paneled houses while this house lies on ruins? Is that the time? Back to the mow the grass thing. Is it a good time to play video games? Is it a good time to watch TV? Is it a good time for a, for a nap? You know, you got time for that? What was I told the guys the other day when they were fussing about something back, somebody was fussing about something with our AV system. And uh, I don't know, I said, if you got time to lean, you got time to clean. They were fussing about our mess there. Just, just, if you're gonna fuss about it, just pick it up. <laughs> well, we're working, so. Where were the people putting their priorities? Themselves. And themselves. And this is apparently, they, they believe this is quite literal. It says, it's a time for you to dwell in your paneled houses. Do you think they were living in wood paneled sheds? Or do you think they were living in HGTV makeovers worthy of poets, bloggers, pet sitters, and baristas? Because that's what it always is on the shows, right? I'm a pet sitter and he's a barista and our budget is one and a half million dollars. <laughs> really? So, so what you think they're living in? You living in a shed with 1970s wood paneling? Or are they living in these Mac mansions? Which one are they living in? No. I think it's more the I think it's more the mansions. They You'd think coming out of captivity they didn't have much, but basically the people of Persia and Babylon basically take this with you. So a lot of it was for the house of God. They seemed to have their own money. They raised, you know, they took $20 million or so out of their own pockets to donate to the thing. It seems to indicate they were capable of building the temple, but they probably spent that on their own. They, you know, it's not going to be the HGTV mansion, but it seems to indicate they put in their time and stuff into their own things. They, the exact work they could have done and should have done for the temple, they were doing for themselves. This seems to be what they were indicating. Is that it? Like I said, it seems to be paneled is kind of, there's multiple transitions, uh, translations for that too. Uh, could this possibly happen with God's people today? Yeah, it can happen. It does happen don't have time for that. I got something else that's more important. You know, I, I can't put forth the time. I can't put forth that effort. I got something else going on. Um, it's easy. It's easy for that to happen. Um, yeah, it's easy. Verse 5 and 6, Now therefore, says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You have sown much harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You clothe yourselves, but no one's warm. And he who earns wages does so to put them in a bag with holes. In contrast to the fancy houses, what's happening to these people? Yeah, you can see, you see the spiritual, and they're spiritually empty, right? 
spiritually poor. It looks like a physical thing, and it probably is, especially when you start looking at what's coming. God's already telling them, you know, if you can't work on the reason I sent you back to build the temple, if you can't do that, the work you're doing for yourself, I'm not going to make that prosper either. They prospered somehow in Babylon. They prospered somehow in Egypt. They, they, they got by. But here, no. You put out a lot of seed, you're not going to harvest much. Have you noticed it? It's been happening for a while. It's because you're not working where you should be. And, uh, but there, like Paul says, it's also has that spiritual undertone. Chuck? Right. Yeah, it should be. This is the land of milk and honey. This is the land of plenty. It always was. Why isn't it working today? I've been giving you the hint that you're not doing what I wanted to. But they got a spiritual famine. Uh, nothing has prospered with you while you neglected your duty to God, from Jameson, Fawcett, and Brown. I got the words in there? Yeah. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. Um, is what he's really, you know, there's your tie-in between the spiritual and the, and the physical. So that's in Matthew 4, 4. We all know that. You go back to Deuteronomy 8, 3. And he humbled you, let you hunger, and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know. But he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone. But man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of God. We don't think about the expanded version sometimes. With, uh, we all know man doesn't live by bread alone, but we forget about the expanded version, the original version in Deuteronomy 8, where we live by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. We see this general want and frustration as a result of spiritual famine. Um, I've used that a lot in the past year. Um, I my question. Could this possibly happen to God's people today? I asked that question earlier, but I'm going to ask again. This is a spiritual famine. Could that happen to God's people today? Sure. Could it have happened to people, God's people in the last year? Sure. You know, with the pandemic, um, the state told us, to, the feds basically told the state to tell us, you can't meet in groups of 10 or more. You know, and we didn't for three months. We found other ways to try to enrich the flock. And then they told us we could. So, so now it's been, you know, it's been 11 months that we've been meeting together again. So, but it's still a spiritual famine. It's very easy to get out of the habit. Um, sometimes you'll hear the word that people haven't, it's very easy to still live in that famine, to not, to not seek God's word, to not seek worship, to not seek service, to just live like it's, family. And I know that with the, with the pandemic, if it's not right to be around people, it's not right to be around people. But how many people didn't pick up their Bible? How many people didn't, didn't read, didn't study, didn't pray? And I think we probably all felt it to some level. At a, you know, it lowered our spiritualness, I guess isn't the best word, but, but it was a spiritual famine. Some of that stuff is harder to find. It was harder to absorb. It was harder to take heart. But in a world where we say, when I have more time, because I've got all this going on, 
And for a year, a lot of that stuff was less. So we had that out of the way. So it shouldn't have been a spiritual famine. It should have been a spiritual harvest. But it's, you know, at the same time, I know here, we've had new people show up through the whole time. People that we haven't seen. People who came to be with us. And uh, so it's, there are seekers. There are growers. And we, at, we rejoice with that. Haggai verse, chapter 1, verse 7. Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Can you imagine hearing this from God? Can you, remember, can, you, <laughs> can you imagine hearing this from your own dad? Or mom with a belt in her hand? <laughs> You're right. <laughs> it doesn't take much. I, you know, I'm not a kid that got beat. Um, but that, that's about all it took. It was something like this. Consider your ways. <laughs> okay, just... Just, okay, you're, you're right, that's all it's going to take, you know. Um, that's about all it's going to take. You don't want to hear that from God. Consider your ways. You've chosen unwisely. Verse 8, go up to the hills and bring wood and build the house, that I may take pleasure in it, that I may be glorified, says the Lord. What glorifies God and pleases him? He seeks to do his will. Yeah, instead of our own. That glorifies him. That pleases him. And this is, he's building the temple back. This is where worship's going to be. This is where, this is the center. His people had his rules of worship. They had their festivals. They had their sacrifices. The whole thing, if the center of that was gone and the people didn't show up, like Matt, well, uh, last Sunday, Matt talked about the they, they found the copy of the law. You know, do you think one day the high priest just left his copy somewhere and forgot it? How do you get to the point where you lose the copy of the law? How do you get to the point where they didn't keep, they didn't do the sacrifices for generations? They didn't do any of that. How do you get to that point? It wasn't just one day and they just threw the lever. It was little by little. It just went away. People stopped having interest. They stopped getting the right, finding a pure sheep and bringing it for sacrifice. They stopped bringing their first fruits. They stopped bringing their gold. They stopped showing up for the Feast of Tabernacles. And the guy who lived on 10% didn't have 10% to live on. And one day he came in and just done. Didn't see the purpose of it because nobody else saw the purpose of it. That's the way I would see that this kind of thing happens. And like I said, spiritual famine is a word I've used, phrase I've used through the past year, and it's it can be that way. So um, what glorifies and please God? Bone as well. Susan? That's it. They stopped, yeah, as they had kings, as they brought in their own idols, they had their own types of worship and stuff. Um, 
it watered it down. It gave them an option. You know, we have Bible study at 9. We have worship at 10. We had the pagan temple across the street with the neon lights. The, you know, the all-you-can-eat pizza bar and whatever else, you know, which, which happens. It's more fun over there. And I'm still worshiping the God of fertility. I'm still worshiping the God of the sun. I'm still, you know, yeah, it happens. People, they choose, and it's easy. Verse 9, you looked for much, behold, it came to little. When you brought it home, I blew it away. Why? Declares the Lord of hosts, because of my house that lies in ruins. While each of you busies himself with his own house. So God says, you know, you've worked, you're looking for much, you ain't getting it. What you brought home, I blew it away. One of the commentaries told the story of a guy whose barn full of grain was blown away in a tornado. And when he read this, he thought God was after him for something he did wrong. It's not the case. But you, I, I could see that happening. If I just lost my year's sales in a tornado, that one right there would, would hit you. But he says, because my house, God's house laid in ruins while they busied themselves with their HGTV mansions. There's an English folk blessing, and I guess it's a hymn too. I listened to a copy of it. It does not sound like something we would sing here. It's a <laughs> but anyways, before the bread, the mill. Before the mill, the grain. Before the grain, the sun and rain. The beauty of God's will. Um, I appreciate people in my life who use the phrase, Lord's willing, and they mean it. I'll see you tomorrow, Lord willing. I'll be there if that's what God wants me to do. You know, if, God's, if this is part of God's will that I'll get through, if he gives me what it takes to get to that point, I will. But when you eat the bread, do we think about the mill that operated to refine the grain and the flour? Do we think about the grain that took a a season to grow that took rain and it took sun and it took workers and God's will behind all that. Sometimes we don't think about it. Just bread. Just granola. That's all it is. It's just granola. We don't think about God's hand in that, right? Corn nuts are the same way. I'll just throw that out there for spite. But... <laughs> So verse 10 and 11. Therefore the heavens above the heavens above you have withheld the dew, and the earth has withheld its produce. And I have called for a drought on the land, on the hills, on the grain, the new wine, the oil, on what the ground brings forth, on man and beast, and all their labors. Like we talked about a little earlier. You know, it's not a good time to mow the grass. It's not a good time for you to have an allowance. It's not a good time for you to have dessert not a good time for you to watch TV. God kind of puts all that on them, you know. It's not a time to build my house. That's all right. It's not a good time for rain. It's not a good time for growing stuff. It's not a good time for stuff to eat. It's not a good time for as hard as you work to make it produce anything. That's tough. That's tough. Verse 12, then Zerubbabel son of Shealtiel, and Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, with all the remnant of the people, obeyed the voice of the Lord, their God, 
in the words of Haggai the prophet, as the Lord and their God had sent them. And the people feared the Lord. How did, the people, how did God's people respond? They got motivated. That's what it takes. That's what it took. They got motivated. Are they God's people this time, or are they those people? I think they're God's people. He just says, and the people, but I think they're God's people at that point. Looking more like that. Verse 13, then Haggai, the messenger of God, messenger of the Lord, spoke to the people with the Lord's message. I am with you, declares the Lord. Could you ask for something better? The reason they stopped, probably multiple, one of them would be certainly um, they were just, they were focused in on themselves. But the other one is, is there was a threat. There was a, there was a viable, real threat to their security if they kept building. Mm-hmm. And so when God says, I'm with you, if they really understood him, don't worry about those people around you anymore. Right. Yeah, if they really understand them, don't worry about that. That's, what the, that's the story of judges. It's a big circle over and over and over. When things are going good and they're up on top and they worship God and they follow him, then they start believing in themselves and things start going downhill. And they get to the point where they only please themselves. They can't find God. He sends the neighbors in. Same kind of way as this. You know, basically, they got away from him, they pleased him, they pleased themselves. He just sent the neighbors in. They call for God. In, in Judges, that's usually the case. I don't see that with Haggai. It's God says, man, you got so far away, you forgot to call. You forgot my number. So he sends the messenger in. If you believe and know God's with you, and he'll get rid of the neighbors. He'll get rid of the stoppage and make things happen. If you believe that, things will happen. The uh, story of Judah, the story of Israel, the story of, they're done, kind of. I mean, that's really the, really the case, isn't it? They just don't really ever get it together. They try, they don't do well. They just don't. Verse 14 and 15, And the Lord, Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, the spirit of Joshua, the son of Jehoshadak, the high priest, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people. They came and worked on the house of the Lord of hosts and their God. On the 24th day of the month, in the sixth month, in the second year of Darius the king. Well, that's where I'm at. Uh, next week, Haggai 2, basically the parts of that are shattered expectations, a call to covenant faithfulness, and a future hope of God's kingdom. Those are as applicable to the church today as they were to God's people at that time. Uh, I do recommend, if you've got time, you're going to kill five minutes on YouTube, Check out the Bible Project. Check out Haggai. Okay? And, um, you'll finish, we'll finish Haggai up next week, and then we'll move to Zechariah, and then back to Ezra. Um, take a couple minutes. It gives an overview, but it's, it puts it in perspective in a good five minutes. So, any questions? Not a whole lot of... Not a whole lot to add, really. But Anyway, that's, that's the case. Well, thanks for joining us, and... Uh, We'll worship here in a few minutes.